podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. So we're doing a catch up kind of reflection. So yeah. Uh, the reason that we're doing this is it's a good time for us to to reset what we're focused on and look forward to some big, exciting news that we have and uh, some goals that are coming out of it. So not to bury the lead, we got selected to be part of the Indie Hackers Podcast Network, which we are both super pumped about. Indie Hackers is owned by Stripe. They have been indirectly influencing the show for a long time with uh, a lot of our guests coming from Indie Hackers members. And uh, yeah, we're meeting with Cortland once a week. He's giving us some feedback on the podcast and we're going to be incorporating some of that. So how do you feel about that, Ethan? I'm upset about it, really. No, I'm just kidding. I could tell. Yeah, <laughs> you're pissed, clearly. I can see that. Uh, I'm kind of in the, I feel like I've been like the Indie Hackers correspondent because I watch what's going on on Indie Hackers and you watch what's going on on Star- Starter Story. And so I think it's espe- it's especially cool. I remember, I, I remember like, months ago being like, we should talk, we should reach out to Cortland and see if he wants to do some sort of collaboration, you know? Um, so it's kind of like a, like a dream come to fruition. You pitched this exact idea of like, maybe we can be as part of some indie hackers <laughs> network of podcasts. So yeah. we, we didn't really act on it at that time, but you put it out in the world and Cortland heard it from uh, yeah. miles away. Right. It's just a, another check mark in the, uh, in favor of visioning, you know, and as a way of having things happen in the world. Yeah. Um, Yeah, So, yeah, some other things that I think would be, we wanted to talk about today. Well, I think we want to talk a little bit about the past, but we really want to talk more about the future. We're probably going to call out a few episodes from the past for for people who are checking in just now and uh, wondering, you know, what they've arrived on if, if they're just finding the Run With It podcast. So we'll call out a few episodes uh, that you might want to check out from the past, but we'll also talk about kind of where we're headed in the future, how we'd like to be changing and adapting things. Also, another great announcement to to share with the people that are already listeners and the new listeners is we have a podcast pr- producer now that we've been having for the last couple of months. Also, someone who we connected with through Indie Hackers, which is really cool. Uh, I put up a post looking for a podcast producer several months ago and and it took a while to get a response but Ari responded Ari Desarmo she is actually the producer for the Mixergy podcast which is incredible so she reached out to us and she said she'd be interested in working with us and uh, we've had her on board uh, ever since she reached out and it's been a really great relationship and it's great to have another person to bounce ideas off of and get excited about the project as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and I butt heads all the time and having oh, a third yeah. party in there to, I've got bruises, <laughs> to, to settle the Especially score right now, virtually. Yeah. And not only that, she has really focused the content, I think, that we've released. If you look at our average episode length since she's come on, they have dropped from 45, sometimes 50 minutes, sometimes longer to the 30-minute uh, mark, which is actually delivering more value in that because the content is clearer. It's more focused. Some of our 
our long-winded answers get to get to the point quicker. Speaking of long-winded, I'll cut you off and I'll just say... Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'll just say that, um, yeah, and it's also just nice to have somebody who's dedicated to editing. You know, I'm really excited about, you know, I've been reading um, Ray Dalio's Principles and it's just a, a fascinating book and he talks about the different personality types that people have and how much power he's found in really being hyper aware of what people are good at and putting people in the appropriate roles and and making sure that you take advantage of other people's strengths where you have weaknesses and, and actually i think we were both did a pretty good job of editing when we were doing it individually but to have someone who has experience and is just 100 percent focused on making the episodes sound good it's just really a valuable tool for us. And I think it's going to be great for the listeners as well. Certainly brought us peace of mind. <laughs> I know that those four plus hours that we would spend every other week to edit episodes or it can be a drag if you're doing that on top of normal business type stuff. Yeah. So similarly, I thought that we could also talk about some of the other things that we're doing within our own businesses and uh, within our own personal lives or professional lives to, to try and improve uh, of course, you want to talk about your own business and professional life. You're raking in the cash, Chris. Uh, even, <laughs> you've turned you've turned uh, you turned quarantine an incredible business opportunity. You're uh, you actually added. I guess you gave you gave some like uh, like a freebie pass for like maybe a month or something to one of your uh, marketing clients. But you did such a great job that they brought you on for other work, right? And you increased your income ultimately. Yeah, that's true. And- I don't want to go into details too much with the specific <laughs> clients, but but yeah, that it worked out really well. Very little change in terms of my day-to-day work from quarantine. So very fortunate from that perspective. And yeah, on top of that, brought on a new, a new client afterward via referral. So I am uh, quite busy with client work and that is an opportunity to uh, look for more help similar to what we're talking about. That's what made me think about it, mm. bringing Ari on board has allowed uh, me to have those four hours every other week to focus on client work and other things. And similarly, both of us are big fans of uh, working with apprentices. Yeah. I am looking to, I'm inspired by you working with five apprentices at once. Yeah, I've got a whole, uh, a whole gang of apprentices. Cadre, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, um, I'm looking to bring on, I, I have one right now that is helping me with some of the marketing work that I'm doing, looking to bring on a, a second one. And that's been really honing for me in terms of my thought processes, because I need to focus on where I add a lot of value and figure out where I don't want to be working and really (laughs) define that in order to give it to an apprentice. It's an incredibly clarifying exercise. Even if if that apprentice is going to be gone in three months, I'll have this framework for how to work that will make me more productive even if I take that work back to myself. so Yeah, and to give the listener um, a tip here, the service that we both are excited about is called Acadium. They are not as some sort of sponsor, but I talk about them all the time. We might, we've never mentioned them. We may as well be at this we point. We may have mentioned right? them once or twice in episodes. Yeah, but they, they probably, they're actually they're a good candidate for a sponsor for us. But before going into any other detail on that sponsorship aspect, what they do is they offer... They offer apprentices mostly in marketing, you know, digital things, uh, maybe website design, uh, social media marketing, content marketing, things like that. And for as little as, you know, 
I'll, I'll estimate on the high end, let's say $300 over the course of three, uh, three months, you can actually get a discount uh, for various coupon codes and volume and things like that. But $300 over the course of three months, uh, you get an apprentice to work on your projects for at a minimum of five to 10 hours a week. You know, which if you do the and math, you just gave them an ad right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what we would say if exactly. we were doing the sponsorship. Exactly. Really. So, <laughs> I mean, both, yeah, as you, both of us are fans of the service, uh, have found some really good people to work with. And my goal is with some of these apprentices to turn them into long-term actually paid uh, subcontractors for me to help me out with, uh, with some of my clients long-term. So, yeah. Hey, they just yeah. reached out to me. I, I think they might've done this to you previously, but they reached out to me. And they said, it looks like I'm having success, some success. And if I do a little bit of interview with them, then um, they'll give me a free credit, which is cool. There you go. Yeah. And then you'll have six, man. That, that'll put you <laughs> over the edge. <laughs> yeah, I feel, and I'll, I'll just say this as a tip. You know, I think the idea of apprentices, it's, it's kind of like you want to outsource things. You don't want to spend a lot of time on things. But I actually find it quite useful to uh, put a little bit of extra time into consistently meeting with them. So for some of them, I did the experiment with putting a whole team together of say four or five people and meeting with them pretty much every day for a half hour to an hour just to check in so that they have like a, a nice clear set of tasks to work on. And also the benefit of having a team that you put together is and then they can sort of work together now that you're offline. Whereas I found it's a little bit harder when it's one-on-one -on -one apprenticeship or outsourcing to, to know whether someone's kind of keeping on task when they're not working with you. So it's a collateral advantage. You and I differ on that because that would be overwhelming for me <laughs> to have five folks who are um, individually, well, not individually necessarily, but whom I'm uh, responsible for their personal development and <laughs> marketing all at once. So kudos to you for making that work. Tell me about your um, investments, uh, Chris, in, uh, in Tesla, I feel like this is also an exciting success <laughs> that you've had over the quarantine. Although you've had sleepless nights of money lost and gained. But yeah, talk a little bit about Tesla and, and, and investing there. Long story short, <laughs> I would have been better off had I not tried to optimize all my investments. Mm. Had I spent less time on it, and that's where I'm driving toward now, is I'm a big believer in Tesla long term. I have been a big believer in them since 2014, probably. And I've invested quite a bit of money with them. Had I not tried to get into options and all these other things would be, would have a lot more money. Actually, <laughs> If you just sat your ass down and just didn't pay any attention, you'd be a wealthier man. I would be exactly. <laughs> if I, if I just sat down there and well, the thing is that also uh, if I did not pay attention to it on a regular basis, the times where it, intruded on my attention, are, those are the biggest opportunities to make a difference, right? When Tesla dropped to under $180 per share, pre-split price, which what would that be like 30, $35, 30, whatever, $36 per share, uh -huh. uh, post-split price. Right now, as of today, I think it's at $440 uh, post-split. So now 15x uh, from that point, but it would it would have intruded onto my attention when it got down that low. Mm -hmm. And I would be more likely to just make an investment at that point, as opposed to 
um, when I'm watching it every day and thinking, oh my God, should I sell or should I, well, you know, what should I do yeah. rather than making a decision point on, uh, because I'm seeking it out every day. So I would not advise people to do what I did there. But it's, you did come yeah. out ahead though. That's, that's the good news. Is yeah. Yeah. I came out ahead, but you. far less ahead than I would have had I taken a more passive approach. Which is incredible. So, I was just reading, um, reading some books by Nassim Nicholas Taleb and I, I remember in one of them, he gave this example of, a, of an investor in, if you take an investor and they're going to do, you know, they're going to come out ahead, you know, say 10% at the end of the year, if they look at just like guaranteed, you know, just out of just random chance, they'll come out 10, 10, 10% or even just making good investments. If they were to check their investments every day, you know, then they would actually feel worse about them because you're more likely on the random fluctuations on a day-to-day basis to see negative things happen, to see the stock go down. And he, he does this sort of time analysis of it where if the, the smaller time frame you go into, the more actually likely to feel bad about your investment, even if it's going up. Whereas if you just were to check it every, every quarter, every year, you'd just be like, oh, great, I'm up 10% cool you know and you'd actually feel better about it and you'd spend less time checking it so it's very interesting you have an an exact application of that strategy (laughs) the caveat that i that i'd add to that is there is value to set things up properly be aware you don't want to just be an idiot but not only be aware but there are plenty of people out there who don't take advantage of the full 401k max that they have with their employer Mm -hmm. or who um have a ton of extra money sitting in the cash account, uh, things like that. So investing that initial time to get things set up properly and then just walking away from it, I think that's the that's the best strategy, the best approach to take. Yeah, it sounds like it's good to have a schedule, you know. Oh, just like on, on a certain schedule, I like really dive deep and take a look, but then I, I try not to look at it after that. Let's yeah. shift topic a little bit to... Um, to the, our new listeners that might be arriving here, if, if you're coming via exposure via indie hackers, you might be a computer programmer um, or, or someone else that's you know really interested in software businesses. We did want to call out that you might be interested in some past episodes with uh, some guests like David Hauser and David Cristello, where they actually outline exactly how to uh, start a software business, and they've both been quite successful with their own. And also just highlight one of the features of this podcast is that you can seek mentorship with our guests. So as you, the listener, can contact us, and if you feel you have some alignment with with a guest or you're, you're actually working on the type of project that they outline, let us know, you know, give us a little bit of information about you and we'll try to make a connection. Maybe we'll even bring you on the show to have a discussion yeah. with one of our guests at some point. So keep that in mind as a listener that you have that power. To be frank, I've been, both of us have been a little disappointed at how few listeners have taken us up on this. Yeah. It's a real opportunity to connect with people who have started multi-million dollar businesses. Mm-hmm. And at this stage, at least, there aren't a ton of other people who are applying to <laughs> to have that mentorship right. goal. If you want to kickstart an idea, what better thing could you do than get connected with someone who's right. done multiple of these, like David Hauser, Rob Fitzpatrick, some of the other guests that we've had? Yeah, and we discussed this recently. You know, we I think we're we're coming to acknowledge that maybe it's a bit of a big ask, you know, for for someone to take 
feel like they want to take it's that definitely kind of a big action yeah. <laughs> yeah so what we might start we're going to start experimenting here as we move forward and we've been we have been experimenting but we're going to do more experimenting with the format of the show one thing we might also do is instead of making it such a big ass that you got to reach out to us and try to connect with these people maybe just bringing on you know uh, an independent you know entrepreneur an indie hacker on the show just to spend you know the last few minutes last 15 minutes or so where they can get a little bit of a mentorship on where they're at right now it doesn't have to be pressure that it's going to turn into some sort of partnership and some sort of official thing we're really here just to help you get inspired to start your business find it achievable and get the tools and information you need to be successful yeah well said I wanted to bring up a couple topics that are trends that we're seeing mm. here. This is something that Cortland has advised us to uh, to focus on a little bit more. So experiment in the nature of uh, run with it. This is, we do this often. So one thing that it's a tweet that I've been focused on is uh, it's not necessarily a trend, but it's a relatively recent tweet from September 22nd from Sam Altman. He is the, he runs Y Combinator. Specific ambition and non-specific ambition look pretty similar on the surface, and it's easy to emulate the wrong one. Mm. I've been thinking about this because I am uh, currently taking a course from Cal Newport. It's all about focus. He's the author of Deep Work, Digital Minimalism, So Good They Can't Ignore You, a number of books like that. And this is a, a video course online that's a deep dive to implement that process into your own life. And... Do you have specific ambition or non-specific ambition? Be come out exactly. Come out, That's, come out of the closet here. What do you feel non-specific? Like you have? Non-specific. A lot of a lot of times. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that stuck out from from Cal Newport's work too. Mm-hmm. Is it's not just deep work. It's deep work on the right things and choosing choosing what that is. But that sounds like a platitude, but it's really easy to uh, to lose sight of that and to just work hard and and do all these productivity hacks like getting things done and. Uh, bullet journaling or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and get a lot more done uh, because you have this non-specific ambition to have this giant business or whatever else it is. I feel like like the quarantine has been uh, a nice driver to help people to focus on more specific ambition. I've noticed with my coaching clients and just people in general, I had the opportunity, luckily, before quarantine even happened, COVID even happened, I read through Man's Search for Meaning uh, by Viktor Frankl. And the title of the book kind of says it, but basically what he realized in going through the Nazi prison camps and surviving was the people that either lived to to see another day or at least made the best of their situation what what kept them going was some sort of meaning it didn't have to be something really big it could just be you know a love for their family or some sort of um, some important project like victor frankl wanted to publish about his uh, methods of psychology and so i've i've seen that one thing that i think can help people with their specific ambition is really trying to understand you know <laughs> victor frankl actually puts it quite simply to he says to he said to some of his clients he'd say why do you not kill yourself <laughs> and 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 really i think it, it sounds like a really harsh question but it's like yeah it's like why am i here what what is the thing that i can add to the human conversation what productive things can i bring to the day uh you know how can i help people and I think once you find those things out, I think it's a lot easier to say, oh, here's a specific ambition. And also just a tip, it doesn't always make you happy, but it doesn't make you fulfilled. So sometimes you can go through a lot of struggle with a specific ambition 
And other people would be like, no way would I ever do that. But for you, you have some sort of fortitude to get through it because it's so specific to you that because there's fulfillment there. Yeah. And that reflects the last tweet in this short tweet storm. I don't even know if you call it a tweet storm. I'm not a heavy Twitter user, but there are four tweets as part of this, uh, this initial mention from Sam Altman. And the last one here is uh, reading about history always seems to indicate that the cold reality of important work is about 1% glamorous plans and 99% unglamorous and very focused execution. Mm, yeah, so I, that's kind of what you talked about there. Yeah. It's like, it's not fun yes. necessarily, but it's yes. in that direction. Yeah, David Goggins has been, I don't know, I think he's doing some extra promotion because I've been hearing his name all over the place. He's an ex-Navy SEAL who, you know, who runs ultra marathons and has been through 78 hell weeks or whatever. But um, <laughs> that's an exaggeration. But um, his girlfriend posted a uh, like a tweet or an Instagram post of his feet and they're just terrible i mean he's got like <laughs> terrible toenails like falling apart and they just do not look great and she she says she what she says is very something very similar like be being david goggins his girlfriend is not romantic you know he runs for a minimum of two hours every day he stretches for a minimum of two hours every day he's got a very strict boring habit of what he eats and what he does but he's committed and people are inspired by him and so you know don't think that every day is going to be glamorous when you are achieving things that seem glamorous yeah i think that so tying that back into some of the previous guests that we've had the thing that has surprised me is it's not there are all these personalities and guests that we've had. We've had people that range from very outspoken and extroverted to people so boring. Uh, we might not want to even consider publishing the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't going to go that far, but <laughs> yeah, but these people have all been incredibly still successful. successful. They're all successful. Yeah, exactly. It's not so much extroversion that is tied to the success, but the thing that has come out from each of these successful people is their ability to focus. Mm. That's something that pretty much everyone talks about. Both Bill Gates, I think, and Warren Buffett attribute focus as their number one reason for success. It's just simple ideas that they execute very well. Mm -hmm. A lot of times our best episodes, our favorite conversations are ones where the, the entrepreneur, they share their idea and they share how they would execute it. And you're like, that's it? That's, that's all that... That's all that matters, right? They're not getting all uh, caught up in <laughs> it all happens. this. It's like we're we're done in like fifteen minutes, and they're like, yeah, we're exactly. ready to stop the episode because they they had all they didn't get distracted. They had right? it all together. Yeah, they didn't get distracted, and and not to say that it's easy, mm -hmm. and not to say that they're downplaying it, but it it's just um, here's what's important to focus on, and don't pay attention to anything else. Mm -hmm. These are the key things that are going to make this business successful. Yeah, which is a privilege to, that we have them on the show in the first place, right? We, get, we do get a lot of people who do say, they're successful entrepreneurs, they say, I'm really focused on my business right now, sorry, I can't be your guest. <laughs> so we're lucky enough <laughs> yeah. to get people who are distractible enough to talk about a business idea. <laughs> <laughs> distractible enough, giving enough, <laughs> either way, maybe both. Yeah. No, I've just been thinking about that a lot more. I've been thinking about what are the things that, in the past, I've had a tendency to say yes to a lot of projects that aren't actually a hell yes. This, this is something I, I stole from Derek Sivers. He has a heuristic for determining what you want to do. And if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. Mm -hmm. So there are some projects that you end up saying no to, or if you follow this methodology, there are some things that you say no to that are good opportunities. And that's, that's the thing that happens is 
it's not just between saying yes to good opportunities and no to bad ones. It's saying yes to the ideal ones and no to a lot of great perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say just even, you know, it's an interesting scenario and I'll share it just so I think it could be helpful. I mean, I've got a, I got a mastermind that I started. I invited you to be a part of, and one day you were like, dude, I'm sorry, I can't be a part of this, you know? And I have to say, like, as a friend, I was like, shit, man, Chris doesn't want to be a part of this. It, it's, it's no good. Like, there's a problem with it or whatever. But I think that it's good to know that your friends in the ultimately don't care. You know, they just want you to do whatever's most productive for you, you know? And so it's okay to say that there might be a little bit of awkwardness around saying no to certain situations. But in the end, I also saw you, you know, again, like a couple a couple of weeks or within a month or two later, your income increased, you know, by, you know, a few thousand dollars a month or something like that. I go, okay, so this guy's focusing on what he needs to focus on in the moment and that's okay. Yeah. And that's exactly the, one of the examples that came to mind. Yeah. And it's, it's uncomfortable because oftentimes when you're turning down opportunities, it's with people that you respect, mm -hmm. that you enjoy, that you want to work with in some capacity. You don't want to ruin that relationship, but if I said yes to everything, and again, for years I did this, it's just harder to make progress on on the most important things I noticed. Totally. And I think, I think, and I think if, if we, we don't really ask our guests about this much, we might do that. I think you'll find that the more successful people are, the less they're offended when you say no to them. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. yeah. You know, they're, they're not ready for this right now. That's fine. And they'll come back. They'll give you another opportunity later if, if not. So I think that's a, an important thing to remember that, if someone says no to you and they're super successful, it doesn't mean they might not say yes, you know, in the future when it's a right fit. That reminds me of one of the later episodes of the Tim Ferriss podcast, one of the most recent episodes of the Tim Ferriss podcast, I should say. He said it's the most important episode he's ever, ever released. Have you heard this one? Mm -hmm. I stopped listening he to the Tim Ferriss podcast. I'm saying no to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, this one is very different from his previous episodes. He didn't do his entire intro spiel, like the Terminator thing. And oh, really? His outro with all of his promotions. Yeah, it was, it was very personal. He talked about his history of sexual abuse wow. that he experienced when he was a child. Wow. And it was a deep dive for, yeah, an hour and a half, uh, almost a therapy session, talking about what he's done. He was close to killing himself yeah. and the things that, that got him through it. So. I forget exactly how he connected that to saying no, but I, I think in, as part of that episode, one of the things that he mentioned is the practice of saying no without much explanation mm. and, and without having to right defend uh, yourself. Yeah. That's a big defend deal. I've had to work on that it. too. Yeah. And just saying, no, you know, I'm not going to do this. And yeah, but the way I've heard it put, a, the way I've heard it put, which I don't know that I, it's called assertiveness, you know, and, and I think that some people can develop an issue with it. I can, we, you know, I think listeners, at least, especially of past episodes, will probably notice we probably both have an issue with assertiveness. We're kind of like, we're kind of, we're, we're nice guys, you know, we, we want to be nice. So, <laughs> but, but I think the way that I've heard it put, which is interesting is, you know, you say no to someone and instead of explaining when they say, hey, why not? You know, you, you know, this, that, I'm not sure you heard me the first time I said no. You know, and you just, you just keep saying, <laughs> you know, I, oh, I, that's what I said. You know, I meant what I said when I said it, I said, no, you know, and just that that's yeah. okay to do that. It's a little bit awkward. I haven't had to do it that much in that way, but it's interesting to think that's kind of what assertiveness looks like. You know, it's just like yeah. being a broken record and, and going ahead and keeping your boundaries. I think 
I don't, I haven't listened to that episode, uh, that you mentioned, but I think that's an issue that people deal with when they've de- dealt with sort of abuse um, in multiple realms is boundaries, you know, and how to keep appropriate boundaries. Yeah, and once you start doing that, people pick up on it and the requests, incoming requests will die down. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Which is, is not a bad thing. I mean, it, right. it's the ones that are, you'll still get plenty of opportunities, but you're not going to get the ones that people think that they can corral you into (laughs) into doing something that isn't exactly a great fit yeah and that's a good um it's a good transition too you know we to to just mention that we both went through the foundation to start a software company dane maxwell who was also a previous guest and you know we did different we did it different years so i'm sure it was a different iteration but i know that a big part of being part of that uh course uh or that group was talking about sort of the emotional and mental blocks that you have around being successful in business and you know how you have to deal with them and you have to work on those things and you know you'd be surprised how much of of your struggle getting forward is less technical things and more mindset things yeah i'd say that's 90 percent of it (laughs) (laughs) it could be a lot of it and on that note too you know that that course i think tends to be good for people who are you know, software developers, and they've been working on building the software themselves, you know, and Dane will come in and say, you don't build anything, (laughs) even though you know how, you know, that's not the concept. I don't think they specifically call it that during the course, they might do it now, but like no code type of approaches um, to building things, you know, be it building a app prototype where you just basically use PowerPoint to make some sort of a clickable app prototype to sell your product before you even make it onto other uh, resources like ClickFunnels, uh, where you can build websites without knowing a lot about it. But, you know, it's not about having code skills at that point. It's just about building a sales page that works. And then, you know, if you need a uh, more complicated code for a product or something, you could hire it out. I think that's a good opportunity. That's a, a very well, uh, a good self-contained <laughs> description of the foundation. So I'm not going to add much more to that. But I do think it's a good opportunity to talk about some trends. When you talk about no code, we mentioned that we would talk about <laughs> about trends and uh, we didn't get into it, yeah. but wanted to focus more on e-commerce. Okay. And this is not, I think that the reason that um, tying back in the investing uh, question that you had earlier, mm-hmm. people who are early adopters, maybe younger people or people who have used e-commerce for a long time, don't understand how uh, small a portion of total retail it is still. So I think that's one of the things that has been uh, still underestimated. So it's kind of the thing we put too much stock in the what is new for early adopters and not enough on what is new for mass market consumption. Mm. And people think that they've missed the e-commerce trend. There's nothing oh, else to do in e-commerce, right? right? Meanwhile, when in actuality, it's like now it's, market. this is, yeah, this is, it's the burgeoning market. This is going to, this is going to be where the majority of billion dollar companies come out. Yeah. And one specific one that came to mind for me that I came across is open door, open It's an easier way to sell your house. You can type in your address and then get an instant offer from the company mm. and sell your house within three days, all right. as opposed to the entire, you know, back and forth that's involved and showings and all that kind of stuff. And they'll buy it. They may make some improvements to your house. Ostensibly the commission is lower to do that. So great episode for, for e-commerce was uh, Aaron Hooley. 
May I say that right? Aaron Holy, yes. Aaron Holy, yeah. She yes, talked Aaron Holy. Amazing episode. Like, it was like a masterclass on how to optimize your sales, basically. Um, that was pretty cool. I also would make a note, like I went to, it was incredible. I went to Fiverr. I wanted to try to get some help making a video ad um, for my coaching that I'm experimenting with and looking like who makes video ads on Fiverr. It's all drop shipping. Um, and what is it called? Shopify and drop shipping. Shopify, Shopify yeah. drop shipping ads. I'll do your Shopify drop shipping ad. I'll do your Shopify drop shipping. And what does that tell me? Shopify drop shipping might be a place to, <laughs> it's to get into. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not in the business of uh, sharing investment advice, but uh, I am watching the Shopify stock <laughs> closely. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So coming back to just a, a number to throw out here for e-commerce market share, what do you think the percentage of e-commerce is as, as a function of total retail? Mm, 30%. 12%. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's easy for us tech nerds to think that our world exactly. is the world. Yeah. Exactly. That's... And then I think that there's a, a tendency for people to focus on the, the much smaller nascent markets to early adopters and then get bored and they're like, oh yeah, e-commerce. And that's, that's old news. I'm going to move on to something else right. and miss the actual real uptake that's going to yeah. happen when it goes to mass market. Yeah. One trend I'm seeing just in my, my personal business pursuits too is just having that realization of where I have expertise because I've been interested in technology and so forth. And then just bringing it to people who are just completely unaware and it's super valuable. You know, I, I, we've been doing Zoom meetings, you know, for several years, but some people had never heard of Zoom when quarantine started. So there's an opportunity. I started a weekly Zoom meeting, which now has 50 to 100 people attending it every week. And, you know, they started paying subscription fees and to be a part of it and so on and so forth. And really, a lot of it is just because I know how to use Zoom and get people together you know, and make sure that they can get in on a meeting and, you know, explore the technical difficulties and promote it. Like it's not, it's not that complicated. Um, and so again, you can put, you can put something together, uh, with very simple tools to you and it could be highly valuable to other people. On that note, I've been using some of the tools I've been using again, like no code things to, to, to support some of this stuff, Kartra. I hadn't heard about Kartra a year ago, but somebody recommended it to me to start hosting my my content. I have like a content business. And it's yeah, it's been interesting to to use. You know, it's the website builder, course builder, very relatively simple. It's got a, a slight learning curve. Yes, you can use HTML and stuff like that if you need to, but to really quickly throw something together, we literally threw a product together of a pr apprentices. I put Four or five apprentices, I said, we need a product, we need a page, we need all this. And they put it together in a week and we were selling it. You know, it was pretty amazing. I, I actually have used Wix or ClickFunnels or Kartra or whatever as almost just like a brainstorming template. And I can throw something together and then I can actually move it onto another platform. You know, so I could throw something together like a sales page in ClickFunnels to get some ideas about what converts and what works because they have all that put together. And then I'll go and move it onto a different platform, you know, approximately the thing that I built and it'll, it'll, it'll be totally functional. Yeah. I think that's a, a good use for it. It's uh, it's certainly easier for business owners to make changes for their website. I always say that I, I feel for, for small business owners who not only have to be 
good at their core competency. Let's say you're a music teacher, mm -hmm. how you're supposed to be a music teacher, but also a digital marketer, right? That's what you have to, that's the reality of the situation. And you're not quite earning enough if you're a sole uh, proprietor to pay someone to do that full time. Yeah, so tough. Ah, music, that's kind of really depressing. Everything. Like, I know. I was like, we, we, like, gotta, oh, we man, can't end all like these, that. <laughs> all these music teachers that are just, life is sucks. <laughs> I do have to I, give a shout out to uh, one of my good friends, Guy Tem. Uh, he runs nolasings.com. Uh, New Orleans-based guitar, voice, piano teacher. Yeah, he's trying to transition a lot of his services online. But yeah, as you said, it's tough. It's tough to compete against these national players who just come in and they have their website and SEO and everything all optimized. Mm -hmm. And uh, guy is teaching music most of the time, right, so right. it's tough. I think a good I think a good place for us to kind of wrap up is one last kind of trend and that's podcasting we're part of it we're part of the podcasting trend we've had some guests who are taking advantage of it on the show we've had justin jackson from transistor um, we've had mubs uh, mubashar iqbal i hope i pronounced that correctly who's got pod hunt and he's trying to do some interesting things in the podcasting space I started this business podcast mastermind and I'm seeing some success getting some interesting guests. Actually, Cortland's going to come on and talk to our, our uh, small audience sometime soon. But, you know, podcasting has grown immensely, right? It's like since, since quarantine, especially, it's just, there's been so many online. I don't, I don't have a number in my mind, but it's like went from like 700 well, over a million. to a million or something like that. Yeah. Know? They're over a million podcasts today. And I think uh, one of the things that would surprise me about this is there was a dip in the number of podcast downloads total uh, when quarantine started, but it's actually higher now than it was before. Mm. So more people are listening to more podcasts mm -hmm. now than before the quarantine. There are more people producing podcasts too, so the competition is getting tougher. But yeah, it's uh, it, this is a behavior that has been relatively resilient, even though people aren't commuting nearly as much. Yeah, and it's an inc I, I you know I, I don't know for a fact, but I, I see there could be incredible opportunity in podcasting from all sorts of different angles whether it's you know the angle of somebody like justin jackson or mubs where they're building an application to support podcasting or you're just starting a podcast and using that to either generate clients and leads that your clients can be your guests your clients can be your audience um you know you can have membership you know type of access to things you know with special extras for for subscribers and things like that it's just a lot of ways that you can use the popularity of podcasting to take advantage you know and take advantage of the energy that's that's in the in the field right now and luckily for us you know i think we just wanted to start a podcast and we just want to make a good show and keep getting better so it's not about following a trend per se and that's one good piece of feedback we got from from one of our guests you know i forget who was who it was was it alexei or somebody talking about a, a trend and they were saying if you want to hop on a trend just make sure you're doing it because it's valuable not just because it's a trend right so make sure yeah. you find there's a true value in what you're doing and then yes hop on a trend because it's going to be powerful but make sure it's not about how can I incorporate this trend in what I'm doing and more about, hey, I see an incredible opportunity here and it happens to involve something that has some momentum. Well said. Yeah, both of us have talked about how we enjoy this process in itself. It's not so much for the outcome down the line. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that was a good summary of everything that we're thinking about right now and listener, little listeners get a little bit more insight into 
us as hosts, we've heard some feedback before that uh, the listeners want to want to get to know us a little bit better too. And I think going forward, based on that feedback from Cortland, we'll show a little bit more personality. We got to rein you in. I know you can <laughs> with your uh, with my what? What needs to be reined in? <laughs> Uh, uh, well, your hair for one. It's, 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 it's the talk oh, of your yeah. hair, all the focus my on the hair. hair of the episode. We'll see. That's Look probably that. going to be a five-minute segment in itself. <laughs> well, it's really just that I'm, I'm uh, envious of your hair. At right, this point. right. It's funny. Okay, my I would say this. Male pattern baldness gene. I don't know. I know. It's like you. I think people who have who are dealing with baldness don't realize it that they notice hair more than other people do. So like. Nobody says more about my hair than people who don't have hair. You know, the people are just like, oh, it's, it's Ethan, whatever. And the people who are who are struggling or something, or they they think about it, they're they're like, ew, in your hair. <laughs> it's just an insult every time I see you. That's that's, that's what it is. Well, I apologize. Uh, all right. So to the listener, thanks for tuning in here with us. We'll be back with our regularly scheduled programming next week. And until then. Run with some business ideas. The podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.